As a business leader, you know attracting top talent is just the beginning. Real growth happens when you lead yourself and others well. Creating a company culture that attracts, nurtures, and retains the best of all things. We'll teach you how to make an impact through a holistic leadership approach. Reframing success in leadership. This is the Talent Magnet Institute podcast with your host, Mike Sipple Jr. Well, welcome to the Talent Magnet Institute podcast. We're very excited today to have a dear friend of mine and a leader in our community, Amanda Greenwell, who's the director of the Northern Kentucky Area Center, join us in the studio. Hi, how are you? Doing great, doing great. So Amanda, throughout various episodes, we have referenced my pre-K and pre-K works inside of our podcast episodes. And we're a big advocate here at Centennial for early childhood education. So it is a pleasure for all of those who have been listening to episodes. This is the fearless leader who's leading this work (laughs) with my pre-K and very excited today to discuss the opportunity for employers to be more and more educated. Also the opportunity, you know, what I have found is even friends of ours who have young kids, if it's their first child or even sometimes their second, they need to know about options for education and early childhood. And so we're going to talk today a lot about early childhood education, why it matters, why you should care, and what our community is doing to help all kids succeed. So thank you so much for your work. Yeah, thanks for having me. So Amanda, can you share a little bit about what So your career led into this position. You've not been in the social services space your entire career. I have not. I have a very sordid background. Uh, I graduated Northern Kentucky University in 1998. And like most people who are just a little bit afraid of taking a risk, I took the safest job I could find, the most paying job that I could find. And I worked at a meat company. I worked in the meat business. I was a marketing associate at John Morrell Meats here locally. And so that was my first job out of college. And it was a tremendous experience, worked with really great people. And I worked in the meat business for several years until I had my very first child, Olivia, who is now 15, which is really hard to believe. But I just loved her so much. And It really tore my heart out every day that I had to go to work, and I had to leave this precious little person that meant the world to me. And, you know, we had access to resources. We were able to put her in the best childcare we could find. But I just really wanted to be with my baby. And so I took five years off from the workforce, and I was a stay-at-home mom. During those five years, we had our second, Aiden, who is now 14. So I stayed home with my kids for the first five years. And, you know, I really didn't know what I was doing. (laughs) But what I knew is that I loved my kids. I wanted to be with them every second that I could. And I wanted to give them experiences. And what I now see is that's what early childhood and creating quality experiences for our children is all about. So luckily, you know, I just intuitively knew what we were supposed to do. You know, we went to the zoo, we went to scavenger hunts in the backyard, and we talked and we read. And that is the makings of a good foundation for childhood, for children. Luckily today, my children are both thriving. They're great students. They're well-adjusted. 
But not everybody has that intuition. You know, we believe that parents intuitively want to do the best for their children. Parents are the first teacher of our children, the most important influence on our children in the very beginning. And when they have quality experiences with their children, their children thrive, and they become great leaders and educated and part of the working community. But they're also our families that maybe they don't have great interactions and there's a lot of stress and maybe there's poverty and they have too little interaction with their child. And when that occurs, the child does suffer long-term. And so what I do in my role with United Way is really looking at opportunities with our partners in the early childhood community. Our school districts are fundamentally important early childhood quality providers And how can we make access to early childhood programs easier and also to make sure that these quality programs are of quality in the community? I was just listening yesterday to Gene Kirshner at the Northern Kentucky Chamber, and he was sharing about the Growing KY initiative and said that the first phase, which is zero to five, is the beginning of workforce pipeline development. Absolutely. And putting it into economic speak which was a great, great presentation to a room of business leaders. Yeah. So if you think about our workforce, I'm going to give you a little history lesson, a little statistics. But back in the 1950s, 12% of mothers that had children under five were working, only 12%. Hmm. Today, 65% of moms that have children under five are working. So what that means is that two-thirds of our children under five are in some type of child care, whether it's family, friend, and neighbor. So it could be a parent, you know, a grandparent is watching the child, a friend in the neighborhood. It doesn't always translate to child care. It could be many different aspects. And I think that we have to accept that families— need quality care, but quality care is really expensive, really, really expensive. And so how can we as a community and a state, how can we as employers become part of that child care solution? On average, it costs $8,100 a year, so $8,100 a year for child care, and that's $155 a week. So if you're someone that's making $12 an hour, that's a third of your income. That's a third of your income going to child care. And so if we are looking at, you know, how can we strengthen the workforce? How can we support people who are in the working community? You know, as an employer, how can I make sure that my employees that are coming to work are focused and not distracted? You know, child care is the solution. Child care is a way. Mm-hmm. for that to happen. Absolutely. And organizations, it seems that, you know, maybe back in 2008, when the benefits were being cut because of the downturn in the economy, that, you know, child care solutions haven't come back as fast as they might have. But yet we're all trying to get more and more people into the workforce. Absolutely. And in the state of Kentucky, we don't have universal kindergarten. You know, not everybody goes to full day yeah. kindergarten. We don't have universal preschool for all children. That's so you right. have this, you have barriers of kids that get off at two o'clock in the afternoon. And how does a individual parent or grandparent step in that might have to come out of the workforce in order to handle the 
inflexibility of our work schedules and the dynamics of education for young children. Absolutely. So in the state of Kentucky, public preschool is only available for three and four-year-olds that qualify based on some type of disability. And then four-year-olds qualify based on income. So if your household income is below 160% of the federal poverty level, then you can qualify for assistance. Kindergarten, It's not a full day. Many districts know that it's important and are getting behind, you know, we have to have a full day experience for our kids to be successful, but the state only pays for a half day. So many school districts are putting in the funding that they need to extend that to a full day. Our school systems are doing more than ever, and they're doing all that they can. But there are some limitations to what they can do. Funding is one, but also the space and capacity to have children in a full-day kindergarten program. So what we're seeing in our community is that school districts are reaching outside of their building. They're partnering with people like they've never partnered before. They're looking at people within their community that can help supplement that full day, that quality experience. They're partnering with quality child care centers within their community to make sure that children that are in those programs before they come to them in kindergarten have a really nice transition between the child care center that they're in into the kindergarten program with the school system. So our school systems are really thinking outside of the box, if you will, and thinking about working parents, thinking about how can we expand the day of the school? Because, you know, we're really not in a society where we can have preschool for two hours and the parent can leave their job and come get their child. But more than that, the child needs that longer experience. Mm -hmm. Children learn best in high-quality full-day programs, and working parents need the stability of that all-day program so that they can thrive in their job as well. Mm -hmm. It's one of those areas where an employer looks at and says, how can I find more people to apply for the roles that we have? We share many times on the Talent Magnet Institute podcast that Every employer is within a close proximity of a school and the opportunity for that employer to lean into that school and to engage with that school. But what you find is there are individuals who don't have the flexibility and they're, if you're an employer who doesn't have flex schedules or hasn't ever thought about this, this could be a reason why someone didn't come back after lunch. Mm-hmm. You think they're unreliable. They got a call from their school and know they'd be embarrassed to share that with you, Mrs. Mr. Employer, and just didn't come back. And that's the life they live. That's the cycle they're in from employer to employer. And taking the opportunity to have some empathy and ask questions as to why, we have found employers surprised by that, that, oh, I didn't realize that XYZ school, let their kids out at two. Mm -hmm. And these are those, what seems to be, once you're aware of the problem, it seems to be a problem you can figure out a solution for. But many organizations haven't identified it as a problem. Absolutely. So one thing that I can offer, and I'd love if we could share this with the listeners after, but United Way through our Success by Six initiative, which is our initiative uh, focused on early childhood, has come up with a list of solutions where the employers can be part of the solution. There's different things that employers could do to make childcare part of their benefits package allowing lunch and learn opportunities for families of young children to learn about what are the resources in the community. They can set up parent network groups so that parents can sort of 
debrief or share what some of their challenges are and learn from one another. Employers could also use their benefits package. So consider paying a stipend for childcare to retain employees. They could also consider creating a flexible spending account for their employees. FSAs can be used to pay up to $5,000 of childcare-related expenses. And so there's lots of things that they could do. Oftentimes, employers say, well, I'm not going to open an on-site childcare. Okay, that is an option, but that comes with a lot of, you know, that's not just something you can do overnight. But there are things, you know, that employers can do that really can strengthen that connection between their employer and the employee by the employer being part of the solution, offering part-time shifts so that families have the flexibility to drop off and pick up their kids, provide backup care options. So some companies could set up a service so that they have a relationship or a partnership with a local care center. And, you know, maybe they reserve a slot or two and that's used for emergencies when regular care arrangements fall through. There's organizations such as Success by Six and 4C for Children, as well as Children, Inc. in our community and and United Way certainly as an opportunity to provide these resources. But these organizations are there to help Absolutely. People, both yeah. companies and individuals. So a great example I'll give you is the referral service that 4C for Children provides locally. A parent can call their hotline and actually, you know, talk to someone. Think of it as like a child care search caseworker, if you will, and talk to them through their situation. Where do you live? Where do you work? What are the hours you need? You know, what's your budget? What can you afford? And 4C for Children can assist the parent and find finding a childcare setting that's best for them. They can also talk through some financial assistance, some, you know, is there a way to pay for some of these programs if you fall under a certain threshold for your income? And then there are quality programs like Children, Inc., Children, Inc. is partnering with many of our school districts to provide an extended care day. And what that looks like is a parent drops off their child at their school district. They go to the preschool program, for example. And then when the preschool program would typically end, the child just walks across the hallway to Children, Inc. and has that extended day, that quality program that lasts until the parent is finished with work and can come pick them up. So we're looking at creative solutions like that with our partners in our school district to really make sure that child care is a solution and a service to families. But the fact is it's super expensive and, you know, we need advocates. We need, you know, to have a public voice to talk about, you know, why is child care so important, but also, you know, what can we as a state do to support additional funding for these types of programs. We need community leaders to stand up and share their perspective about how childcare is impacting their business. And then parents also to talk about, you know, what is their experience and what are some of the issues that they're having and how is childcare standing in their way? Hmm. That's a great, great point, Amanda. And I just want to highlight this a little bit to break this down for a listener that again, if an organization is struggling and recognizing that your employee base might be in a demographic where they're a parent or grandparent and they are raising children, 
this is most likely affecting more than 50% of that employee base, that childcare is somehow woven into it. it might be 100% of mm-hmm. that employee base if they don't have someone at home caring for their child full time. So this is affecting your employee base. And it's very important to peel this back and maybe ask some questions about the impact of childcare for those that you're employing and the opportunity you have as an employer to partner with an organization like Success by Six or 4C for Children or Children, Inc. to possibly even sponsor a Children, Inc. location Mm -hmm. for your company at a local school, which then allows, think about the magnetism that your organization would have if employees knew, if I get a job here, they help subsidize childcare based on the sponsorship that they have or the resources they're providing to a local school. That is a way to attract talent like no other. Mm -hmm. It's a secret sauce for a lot of very well- educated organizations who are thinking about all of these aspects. I know a year and a half ago or so, I was listening to Marty Ashans, who's now the director of Partners for Competitive Workforce, sharing as they were looking at turnover at her last organization, they recognized that people were not showing up because of the issues we have with public transportation. Mm -hmm. And they started building solutions around transportation for their employees and I would also add and argue that childcare is affecting our employees in today's environment. Absolutely. And we need to figure out ways as a company to come alongside and to really help our employees thrive and their families thrive. And you have a significant opportunity. If you're looking for a creative impact benefit, this is a great benefit and resource. And we'll link to, Amanda, the resource, the employers as a part of the child care solution. We'll make sure we have a link in our show notes to that so individuals can take those tips and resources as well. Great. So I think it's important as we sort of frame out the importance of this, when an employee comes to work, they come with their whole self. They don't come to work and then they're no longer a mom. They're no longer a grandparent. They're no longer, you know, caring for other people's needs. And so it's really important for us to consider that whole self of the employee and child care is a big part of that. I just want to talk a little bit about how expensive child care really is. In 33 states currently, child care for an infant actually costs more than tuition at a public college. So these are astronomical costs, and this is a huge burden and a, and a huge hindrance on people working. And so if we can get employers to really embrace being part of the solution for child care, then the better off that they are as their employers. Mm-hmm. I think that it's really important for us to see ourselves in this solution because it really does affect all of us, whether you're an employee whether you're an employer, it really does affect everyone. So that, you know, all of the children that are under six in our community, they all have to be taken care of all day by an adult, all of them. And so if we can think about ways to maybe ease the burden, there is public assistance available, but there's a threshold where that doesn't kick in at a certain point. So if you're making $10 an hour, you can qualify for public assistance to get help with childcare. But there is still a huge gap of hardworking individuals that don't make enough to pay for childcare and still need childcare. So there's a big gap that we still have to address. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
you said the average earlier in the interview, you said the average family pays $8,100 or $155 a week. A week. For child care. That's right. So factoring that in and where an organization might have an opportunity to help their employees further succeed and think about the ratios there. Do you know percent wise, is there percentages of, you know, individuals who are making less than $15 an hour, it makes up one third of their overall income or anything of that nature? So if you look at someone who's making $12 an hour, it's a third of their gross wages, okay. um, child care, if you look at it. And that doesn't include food. That doesn't include transportation. That doesn't include your home and basic necessities. Yeah. A third of your income is already gone. Yeah. And that's a lot. That's yeah. a lot. And as we look at ways to bring help individuals, bring their whole selves, the reality is they show up with their whole self. Absolutely. But that comes with emotions and challenges, too. And we want to help people be the best they can be in the workplace, but also in their life. So the impact you have, we all have, to provide some subsidy or resources here is really critical. And there's great partners to help us do that that we've mentioned in the interview. Absolutely. Amanda, can you share a little bit about when you get into a room of business leaders and they say, you know, the whole, why should I care, Mm -hmm. right? What are some of the data points or the content? I mean, emotionally and from a moral perspective, we should all care, Mm -hmm. right? But turning it into an economic decision, I would assume that states want to see, okay, if we're going to allocate more budget, it needs to be an economic indicator. And are there data points that you typically share or information you share to kind of turn this conversation to a business case or an economic case besides the moral obligation that we should all have to provide for the children in our communities? You know, I would just go back to the percent of parents that have young children that are in their workforce, and those children have to go somewhere. And what we know is that early childhood is the best prevention strategy that we have in our long-term success. And so children who are not ready for kindergarten typically are not reading on level in third grade. They have lower rates of graduation, higher incarceration rates. And so if we look at early childhood as a long-term investment, that to me is how we should be looking at early childhood. Over the last 20 years, there's been a great understanding, better understanding of early childhood and that those experiences in their first five years really do shape our brains and our bodies in profound, lasting ways. And so if we can look at it, you know, why should I care? Well, you know, why should I care about people being a viable option for the workforce after they graduate? There was a statistic that said 70% of the nation is not, you know, suitable or eligible to be part of our military, whether it's because they haven't received a high school education or they're not physically fit or, you know, they have a criminal background, they have some drug use. And so there are ripple effects of these first five years and being ready for kindergarten, being ready for life, that if we do invest in those early years, it really does have a long-term payoff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's said that for every $1 invested in early childhood, there is a sevenfold return. 
I've also seen, you know, statistics where we spend a bulk of our dollars in education in the later years, where we really should be shifting that and spending those dollars and making those investments in the early years, because that's where those children are receiving the greatest return to be set up for success. Mm -hmm. And I get asked often about the skills that employers are looking for in the workforce. And one of the aspects that we share quite a bit is that Mm-hmm. Being ready for kindergarten is not just academic, right? It's social connectivity. It's the ability to relate with others and interact with others, and of which is a big set of the skill sets that organizations need in today's workforce are Absolutely. people who know how to communicate effectively, Can know you get how along to, with others, right? You know, social emotional. Our children are coming to kindergarten and they do not have the social emotional skills to be successful. We're also seeing, you know, dexterity and, you know, balance and, you know, some of the basic things that often I think we take for granted. Being ready for kindergarten doesn't mean that you're, you know, ready to take on some science, you know, it's mm-hmm. some basic things. It's knowing your numbers, knowing your letters, being able to write your name, being able to interact with other children. It's some basic things. Mm -hmm. And I'll offer a resource to parents if they're interested in knowing more about what does it mean to be ready for kindergarten. For the past year, we've partnered with 100 plus partners in Northern Kentucky to launch something called My Pre-K. And the website is myprek.com. And the thought is one size does not fit all when it comes to experiences before kindergarten. Children are different, families are different, and what communities offer is different. And so myprek.com offers resources within your community that can help you better understand the development of your child, what does it mean to be ready for kindergarten, and even what is available in your local community. You know, what school district provides all-day kindergarten versus what school district doesn't? You know, some of our school districts offer universal preschool for four-year-olds. And then other school districts, you know, you have to qualify for those preschool programs. So we created this resource for any parent or caregiver, anyone that's loving or spending time with a zero to five-year-old to really help sort of navigate what a parent can do to make sure that their child is successful. Excellent. We will definitely provide a link to that in the show notes. If you go to mypre-k.com or just Google mypre-k.com, you can go directly to the website. And it's been an honor on our side being involved in this work. I remember the first time I was asked as to, well, why am I being asked? I'm not in the early childhood education space yet, but as a business that's very passionate about this, and who has an opportunity to educate employers, as well as a uh, proud parent of kids in the public school systems and a proud product of Covington Independent Schools, education for all and quality for all is very important to myself personally. Again, this big component for those listening, we get asked often around the skill sets and children are not ready to go into kindergarten, the same skill sets that they're lacking going into kindergarten are the same skill sets they lack when they get into the employment opportunity and interview with your company. Or when you have issues with people, you know, that you think, I don't have employees who have people skills. 
well, those people skills didn't exist when they were young mm-hmm. and they've never had anyone help invest into them. So you have an opportunity to train and equip them. But what a great way to build into the future workforce by helping people gain these skills early so that when they join your team, they have great people skills. And there's an opportunity for all of us to lean into that. We deal with this all the time around the social emotional aspects of people that, you know, well, they know this, but they can't interact in a meeting real well and they lack eye contact and they lack engagement and, you know, their problem skills and their project management skills. Well, all of those things are things that kids can develop very early. I remember a poster several years ago, and it said, everything I ever needed to know I learned in kindergarten, right? I mean, that's exactly what you're talking about. So if we can invest in those children, you know, in the early years and help them develop those skills, you know, we'd all be much better off. Absolutely. Absolutely. As it relates to additional calls to action, do you have anything else coming up soon that you'd like to share with the audience? I'm glad you asked. So United Way is partnering with 4C for Children and Children, Inc. to host a screening of No Small Matter. And No Small Matter is built from stories of real children and families and teachers, and it illustrates the impact of high-quality early childhood experiences. So while you're watching this film, you'll meet parents who are struggling to do the best for their kids, incredible teachers who are modeling what an early childhood classroom should and could be like, and children who are learning and developing in real time. So it's a great way for, you know, you really to come and see the film. We'll be launching it in the spring and better understand your place and how you can make a difference. Change is necessary and critical, and we can do it if we all put our minds to it. So coming to the screening of No Small Matter is really just a first step in finding out how you can be part of the solution. So I'd encourage anybody who's interested in learning more about the importance of early childhood and how you can be a part of the solution to come to that showing. Amanda, we had one of our guests, Crystal Kendrick, who shared a quote that I'll reference from episode 10 of the Talent Magnet Institute podcast. And she put that education is at the forefront for me. It's something that no one can ever take away from you and that education creates opportunities. And I remember an interview that we had with the previous CEO of Profeti Van Mella, Mehmet Yuksik, referencing his teacher in Istanbul who encouraged him to think about the world being bigger. And during that interview, he was this a CEO of one of the largest family-owned businesses in the world here running their North American presence. And education, teachers, all of us can think about that teacher who pushed us, who challenged us, who was there for us. And maybe we didn't understand the world around us that was enabling that education experience to take place. But we all have an opportunity, whether we're in early childhood, elementary, middle, high school, to really be investing in. And we call businesses to action on these topics. What can you do for your employees? And also, how can you help the community around you and lean in and help further the education and do what Crystal encouraged us to think about, that education creates opportunity and no one can take that away from you. I love that. That's good. So, Amanda, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thanks for Um, having me. Thank you for your leadership in this community. And I certainly look forward to our many conversations that are yet to come. Great. Thank you. 
Are you hungry for the best talent your industry has to offer? Centennial's five-point checklist for attracting top talent will have them banging down your door. Go to talentmagnetinstitute.com slash competitive to learn more. The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is powered by Centennial, a talent strategy and executive search firm, and the Talent Magnet Institute. You can engage with us at Talent Magnet I on Twitter or Talent Magnet Institute on LinkedIn and Facebook. Please communicate by using hashtag Talent Magnet. Find us in your favorite podcast app to subscribe, rate, and leave a review, as well as share with a colleague. You can also listen at talentmagnetpodcast.com. Our podcast studio is based in greater Cincinnati, Ohio. We are supported by our listeners, clients, and partners from all over the world. The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is made possible by a great team that includes Janelle Spence and Christine Lewis of Centennial, Josh Chappelle and Adam Smith of Soundpress, produced by Chris Madine of New Fidelity Studios, and Audra Casino and Megan Doherty of One Stone Creative. Music written by DJ Corbett and Chris Madine. And myself, your host, Mike Sipple Jr. Thank you for joining us on the journey of developing leaders to succeed in relationships, work, community, and life, reframing success in leadership.